the Liberty Meat Solutions podcast is all about food freedom and finding ways to provide for you and your family outside of the system, how to raise and process your own meat and not rely on others to do so. Thanks for listening, and I hope that you enjoy. Hey, folks. Long time no see, uh, unless you've been watching the after party. Uh, sorry I've uh, been so absent. Had a ton go on. I've uh, been kind of sick. Uh, stuff knocked me back a bit, and uh, no excuses. I just got out of my routine and uh, need to come in and follow up. I haven't been uh, put out an episode of the podcast here since a couple weeks ago where I had uh, Chef Keith Snow on, uh, which was a great uh, interview. If you haven't caught up on that, go on back and check it out. Uh, I'm going to be continuing my multi-part series today, though. We're talking about considerations for processing large livestock. And it's uh, been a it's been a wild ride trying to put together all the links and the resources and everything like that uh, is more work than you realize. So I'm going to try to follow up on that today. Uh, we're not going to get all the way through, obviously, but uh, we're going to try to continue. Last time we talked about uh, the actual slaughter portion and some equipment recommendations and things like that for the actual slaughter portion. Um, and we're going to kind of keep the ball rolling for what happens now that you've got this animal down, bled, ready to go. What things do we need? And it's not exhaustive, but it will be. Uh, you know, the next the next step, the next things you need to start thinking of. Uh, and like I said, back in uh, earlier in that episode, uh, don't just go and start doing this right now. Because uh, there's, uh, th there's a whole lot to it. You really need to have a plan for what you're going to get into and what you're going to do from the get-go. Uh, not just, you know, jump into it and let's follow along with Josh because it does take me some time to get these episodes put together and it may be a while till I have this series fully fleshed out and hopefully it'll at least give you a starting point for what you want to do with uh, you know processing your own livestock so I'm going to try to crank this one out here quick and get it knocked out before uh, the after party which is coming up uh, we've been squeezing them all in here today came to town ran a few errands got everything set up had time to jump in and uh, join Brian uh, scrambling over there at scrambling universities podcast jumped in and now we ended up bullshitting for like an hour so i didn't have any time to really uh give everybody an update so i don't have anybody live watching yet that's fine i'm used to it uh, but i didn't give any warning that i'm going live so i'm going to try to pound this out squeeze it in here before we have the after party jumping into the after party and then uh you know it's just gonna be a pretty much a full broadcast day so anyways um on other updates, last time when I was talking about all these different fun things, firearms, knives, and whatnot that uh, I've used and might recommend for you to be processing your own livestock at home, I was working with an affiliate network. I mentioned this a little bit on Brian's show. Uh, I was working with an affiliate network. And uh, so, I mean, you know, if I'm going to recommend the product that I already know, I may as well be able to give a link to here is a place you can buy it if you choose to. And I get a little bit of a kickback from it. Well, I didn't vet them well enough, apparently, or something or whatnot, since the first items that I recommended through them were three guns and a knife. <laughs> they booted me. They booted me straight from the, uh, oh, I see. Brian says, what's up? Hey, Brian. Uh, it's over there in the Telegram chat. 
but I, I can only assume that they booted me because that's what I, uh, you know, was first <laughs> recommending. But hey, it is what it is. You live, you learn. Uh, I've sh I've shaken that up a little bit. I've changed up. I'm trying to work with a different affiliate network, and I've also got a direct uh, affiliate relationship now with Impact Guns, which actually one of the rifles I was recommending actually they have cheaper, so <laughs> even better, and they offer lifetime warranties. So now I won't tell you to go and buy it through my, my affiliate link just because it's my affiliate link. If you're already looking to buy it and it's a good deal for you, I appreciate the fact that you uh, would follow that link. It helps me out a little bit, but I'm not going to tell you to go and waste money or, you know, you might go down to a pawn shop or your local gun shop and find one of those rifles or something similar. Those are just examples of something you can use. There's a million of them out there. And what works for me may not be the best for you. Get what's best for you. I can just give you solutions based on what I've experienced and what I've used. However, if you just want to go open your wallet and go buy something, by all means, follow those affiliate links. So typically I use Amazon for most affiliate type stuff, uh, but Amazon does not sell guns. So I'd like to be able to, when I do recommend the product along those lines, I'd like to be able to put up an affiliate link uh, that I could get a little kickback off if someone does choose to use it because I don't hate money. So, you know, we all got to eat here. Uh, but I would like to uh, go ahead and put that out there that no, if you find a better deal, please take it. I'm not trying to take anybody for a ride here and I'm not going to recommend something that I wouldn't buy myself or haven't used myself. Um, that said, I'm going to try to make these affiliate link things and the product recommendations a whole lot easier instead of, you know, having to list every single link and ever and all the show notes and people have to go back and find the show notes and all that. I'm just putting them all in one location. So now you can go to shop.libertymeet.solutions and you can find all of the products that I recommend in the show, some that I haven't even talked about in the show, um, things like that. Let's see here. Needing to eat is a good reason to use it for a gun. Yeah, that's what Brian says over here. And Mr. Alexovich, yep. Use the damn link, people. He says. <laughs> All right. So anyway, if you do pop over and check it out, you can go to shop.libertymeet.solutions. And that's going to give all those referral links and everything like that, along with the description and everything from me. And it allows me to, if something changes or there's a better deal I find on something, uh, I can go in and I can update that that post with, hey, here's a better deal. Hey, this is on sale right now. That kind of thing. So it gives me a way to manage it better than just putting it in show notes and having to try to go back and edit YouTube show notes and stuff later on. Not really a, a, a very sustainable or clean option there. Uh, there's also a link at the top if you want to start your Amazon shopping there. Everything that you do there, I get a little kickback from. Hey, it's the, the last of Prime Day. So... If you want to get something on Amazon and you want to help me out, you can go check it out. You can also go to amazon.libertymeet.solutions. Start your shopping there. Anything you buy on Amazon doesn't cost you any extra, and it gives me a little, a little bit of a kickback. But that shop.libertymeet.solutions also has a link. And if you scroll all the way to the bottom, anything else that I have uh, as far as affiliate links, I'm going to try to keep updated there as well. So I've got uh, some other fun stuff there too, like if you, want to, if you decide you want to start a website uh, and you want to go buy a domain name, Namecheap is on there. You can get some domain names for like 99 cents. Follow that link. I get a little bit of cutback from that for the affiliate type thing. Doesn't cost you anything, but helps me out a bit. 
it's like my website host that's affiliated on there too. And I'm, I'm actively seeking different little affiliate stuff of products and companies that I actually do work with myself that I use. Um, and I'm going to continually update that too. So that uh, if you do want to help support me, that's one way for you to be able to do it. Um, on that note, some other things that you're going to find at the bottom of that website are going to be like Nicole from the Living Free in Tennessee community. They've got the Self-Reliance Festival. Well, that's coming up. They're selling tickets for that, but also they're selling tickets for a swale workshop here at the end of the month. So if you are interested in permaculture, managing your land, uh, you're interested in putting in swales, you want to know what swales are, you want to actually get some hands-on education for people who know what they're doing, that's a great workshop if you're anywhere near Camden, Tennessee. And if you follow the link that I have at the bottom there for either that or Self-Reliance Festivals, well, I get some commission back from that. So awesome. Go check it out. If you're already interested, head on over, follow that link, and you'll help support me and support the show while you support them. Also, our good buddy uh, Brian Scrambling over there at Scrambling University with the Squatch Fest, uh, his crazy, I'm insane, 50% everything coupon. Him go broke. That <laughs> was our hashtag, makes go broke. Uh, well, but he is still keeping that 50%, that 50% off on the tickets for Squatch Fest that's coming up here in the fall. So if you're interested in that, his tickets have gone up to a reasonable price now of hundred bucks, which if you're like that, hundred bucks is nothing for a ticket. So you can save half off now by using my coupon code that's listed on the bottom of the website as well. So anytime I get deals like that, folks, that I can pass on to you or something that I use and recommend, I'm going to put it over there. So it'll keep you from having to hunt through Telegram chats and whatnot to find my stuff. So, Anyways, um, let me go ahead and try to get back down to the uh, meat and potatoes of this episode. Last time we talked about slaughter, the actual act of slaughter, shooting the animal, the bleed. Now you've got an animal laying down, hopefully in a pen or a confined area. Now what do you do? <laughs> well, let's see here. I'm going to try to get some stuff shared up here. Let's, I've got a little, where is this? Pardon me, folks. If this is, if you're listening to the audio side of this, you may want to go back and find the YouTube version because this is going to be more of a visual episode. I think any of this in this, in this series are probably going to be more of a visual episode. I'm going to try to show like a little PowerPoint uh, with some of these considerations and ideas while I'm talking. I know y'all want to stare at my pretty face but I'd like to be able to show you some pictures, some ideas as I, as I demonstrate this. So let me see if I can get myself together here with StreamYard and share some of this stuff. Let us share some slides. You have no slides. Add a file from your computer. Hey, look, that, that's new. All right, I need to get that figured out and I didn't realize I could just directly share a slide. All right, we're gonna share. Hey, window, share screen. And let us go on over to, where is it at? Episode 13, pardon me, folks. I'm terrible at this. All right, we're just gonna go ahead and share the entire screen. Let's see if that will work. There we go. Hey, look, Inception. Woohoo. Okay. 
I'm going to pop over here and start this slideshow because it's just going to be easier. All right. After the kill. That's right. First things we're going to think about are going to be moving the carcass. You know, this is just sort of my notes right here. Once we, <laughs> once we have this animal down, we've got to be able to move it. That's not going to be as big of an issue. If we're talking about something like goats. We're talking about sheep. We're talking about uh, smaller pigs. But if you're looking at large hogs, cattle, that's a serious consideration. So you're going to need some sort of heavy equipment to be able to do this. Yes, tech time with Liberty. <laughs> Brian. Oh, oh, shoot. But anyway, yes, you're going to need to be able to move this carcass. So hopefully you've considered that before you've shot the animal. Uh, ideally, you've got a tractor or a skid loader or something with a front end loader. That's going to really help you out. Uh, otherwise, you're going to be using a truck or something to drag and move this animal. And how are you going to do that? Well, you're going to need something to be able to drag it with. I recommend a log chain. We're going to uh, talk about that here in a little bit as well. Uh, but also clean that carcass. We have to be able to keep things sanitary and clean while we're doing it. You know, we don't want it to just be covered in mud and junk. Uh, it's going to really affect your meat in the long run. So that's a major consideration as we work here. We're going to talk about ways to hang that animal, uh, whether or not you want to remove those feet and uh, why I recommend that you do. Uh, then, you know, skinning, cutting the bone, gutting, splitting, breaking down and cooling. We're probably not going to get that much into the, the actual nuts and bolts of the skinning and the gutting part today. Uh, because I don't have a lot of the visual representations, and it's kind of hard to do. It's kind of hard to demonstrate and show without actually demonstrating it. So hopefully I'll be able to get some more video content on that coming up later. But today we're mostly going to be talking about equipment and considerations and things you need to do when you're really getting to that next step. So hopefully this will give you a lot of food for thought, and we'll be totally open for some questions if you guys have those. And, uh, you know, of course, questions after the fact. And you can always chime into Telegram and get in that Liberty Meat chat, t.me or t.me slash Liberty Meat chat. And that will be an excellent way for you to ask questions. So let's see. Let's move on here. Moving that carcass. Like I said, tractor is ideal. You're going to need chains, ropes, something. If you're dealing with something you can't actually pick up and heft yourself to be able to drag, move that carcass. You can, if you've got full access you can roll most animals into the bucket of a large tractor if it is going to be able to lift that animal, which hopefully it is going to be able to lift that animal if you've already made it this far in the process. But say you put that cat, you know, a big old steer in a squeeze chute. You've got to be able to get it out. You've got to be able to access it. Typically, there is a head gate that you can open up. And once you've done that, Usually the easiest thing, because the head's right there, will be to wrap a chain around the head, hook that to a tractor, and then back it up and pull it out. And then you can realign and get it rolled into the bucket. Uh, hopefully I'll have a chance to be able to demonstrate this later on in video. But I will say if you do ever need to roll a cow or something like that into a bucket, the best thing you can do is get that bucket lined up flat on the ground, have somebody operating that tractor to help you out, uh, directly in line with the back of that animal. Slide it up if you can, right up underneath of it. You want to have from shoulders to ass inside that bucket. Now, when you're going to go and roll that cow up, it's leverage, people. Grab the lower legs. Hopefully, you have two guys to help you do this. I've done it myself before, but boy, it is a, a, a trick. Roll that cow up onto its back and have someone up in that tractor be rolling that bucket so that you can, you know, get it up there and move it. 
take you're going to try to take it to somewhere where you actually have a way to hang it a clean place to work ideally in the shade if you're dealing with the summer like in texas here trying to skin a cow outside at 105 degree temperatures direct sun you're going to hate yourself so hopefully you have a barn or something to work in in an area where you've got access to water to be able to keep clean i can't stress that enough um so anyway dragging it by the hocks dragging it by the head whatever you can get a hold of i will say if you are dragging a large animal and you're using a chain to do so try to wrap that chain directly ab above the hoof basically that lower that lower section of the limb it's tempting to go above that that upper hock and you can do that but if you when you put a chain around that and you you know, go and pull and you're, you're putting the full weight of that animal on that hawk. What happens is it compresses the skin, it tightens it up, and it makes it really hard to actually cut through that section of hide because it puts so much force on that skin. It, it creates a hardened leather, basically. So if you can go around that lower, that lower section of the leg that's already going to come off, it's ideal. Uh, get that chain nice and tight. You'd be surprised. It's probably not going anywhere. Um, as I said, location, location, location. Location really matters. Being able to keep what you're doing clean. If you can work in an insect-proof area, that's great, but that's probably not going to be something you have available to you outside. Uh, anyway, let's move on here. Um, okay, hoist tractor. We kind of talked about that a little bit, but for smaller animals, you're probably not going to need a tractor. You will want a way to hang that animal. Uh, the easiest way is going to be a gambrel. On the right, you can see I've got, you, this is actually a picture I took at a local Harbor Freight. Um, I don't have an affiliate link for Harbor Freight anymore. I am working on trying to get one through another network. But that setup right there, uh, I've got a very similar one on Amazon that I have linked. I think the one on Amazon is actually better. It's got a higher weight rating. The one on Amazon goes up to 600 pounds, which is going to handle the majority of pigs. If you've got a pig over 600 pounds, you're going to want to use a tractor anyway. Uh, that has got a rope pulley system. It's designed for deer and small hogs, like wild game. But it works great for goats, sheep, most pigs. And this one, actually, you see, you only see one side of it. It actually folds in half. Uh, I, I've got several of these, and I really do like them. Uh, they're great for if you're hunting and you're going to have to do a lot of your breakdown out in the field. Uh, you can set this thing up and hang it up in a tree. Now, and it does take a little bit more oomph to get that uh, that rope pulley system. It's not like lifting it directly. It's got a, a you see, it's got two sets of pulleys that uh, really kind of help take a lot of that strain off. They work really well. The gambrel itself, that triangular section that you're you're hanging that animal from from the hinds, that is what you're looking for. And if you are going to be doing this routinely, or you're you're not physically fit enough to lift that animal or you're, you're elderly or you just don't want to break the freaking back. Having another sort of a hoist system set up and using that gambrel is going to be ideal. Um, when I'm doing deer, I have an electric hoist set up. I do have one of those. I do have an electric hoist that will lift up to over a ton. You can get some smaller ones. You can get them at Harbor Freight even. Um, but I've got one of those affiliate linked over there on shop.libertymeat.solutions as well. Um, and like I said, I'll, I'll try to share the screen here later uh, and show some of these products over there on that site. 
but you can go to any sporting goods store. You can go to a Walmart, especially coming up during deer season, and you can find gambrels like this and lift and pulley systems. They're all around. They're great for things like goats and sheep, like I said. And for most hogs, this is really what you want to look for. Now, if you just really don't want to have to use little rope pulleys and adjust all that stuff up and down and put the real work into it, well, a chain hoist. I've got that shown on the left side. A chain hoist is great. Uh, you can get a one-ton chain hoist for not much. I can see right here is a picture of one at a Harbor Freight locally for 60 bucks. Uh, and that one-ton chain hoist is going to lift the majority of cattle that you may ever need as well. You're not going to lift them with that little gambrel that I've got showing over there on the side. That's just not going to be weight rated for it. But you can get a gambrel for that. And I've got those listed. I'm, uh, I don't have an affiliate with them yet. I may. I've uh, kind of been in talks with the, with the guy. He's, uh, I sent him a message and he responded today. I need to call him back this evening. Uh, or tomorrow, one of the two, and uh, get in touch with them. But there's a place called the Hook Shop LLC. They build the best gambrels and stainless steel hooks that I have ever used or seen. Based out of Missouri, they do really, really good work. They're a little bit pricier, but boy, are they worth it. Um, if you're looking at something like we're talking about here, hanging from a single point of contact, you're doing larger animals, check them out. But that chain hoist is great for smaller setups like this, too. The beauty of that is it's designed for basically lifting engines. And the way that chain hoist works is it's got a single chain that goes up and down, and it's got a secondary control chain, basically. It goes in a circle. And as you as you turn it one way or the other, whichever way you pull on that chain, it spins a gear. You're not doing any of the weight lifting itself. You're just spinning that gear with that chain, and it's lifting and lowering that, that secondary chain. Cool little feat of mechanical engineering there. And uh, it's perfect for hanging up uh, over like, you know, a sturdy beam in a barn or something like that to be able to, uh, you know, skin your ass. Now, the one caution I will say is because you've got that secondary chain that hangs right there. Those usually get chain grease on them. If they sit out in the rain a little bit, they get some rust on them. You know how that shit goes. Uh, you don't want that hanging on the carcass. And whatever's on that chain is going to get on your hands. So what I always recommend doing is using some gloves that you can take on and off when you're, you know, moving that chain and having like a bungee cord or a rope or something that you can set aside and, you know, tie off to something off to the side so you don't have that hanging on the meat. You really don't want that. We try to keep this carcass as clean as possible. Of course, and you don't want to get stuff that's on that animal on that chain as well. So don't always think about what's touching that hide, what's touching that, that, you know, meat, especially once you've got it skinned you don't want to eat it so but i do love chain hoists they're a great way to do that uh without power if you're you just don't have power where you're working the downside to them is they're kind of big and clunky and they're slow but they will lift some serious shit. so for the price i always recommend somebody have one in the corner of their garage because you never know when you may need to lift something just extremely heavy now, the one that I have listed, I've got one on Amazon listed, a link, and it's got a 10-foot lift. That's going to do it for most things. If you're dealing with larger cattle, 10 foot's probably not enough height for you. So you're, especially since you've got the drop from a gambrel and everything. So I did list, it costs quite a bit more, not that much more, but I've got uh, a 20-foot lift linked as well in that, uh, that product description. So if that's something you're looking for, um, let's see here. But as I said, now... Here's a pretty 
decent sized pig that I did at one point. It's hanging from a gambrel that one of those smaller gambrels, very similar to one I have linked. And uh, it's actually, there's a small crane scale as you can see in that video, but this is hanging from an electric hoist. You can see that control right next to it, right there. This is uh, where we do deer. And uh, this was actually my own personal hog that uh, he got, he fucked around and found out he got out one day and uh, decided to get aggressive with me. And I got the joy of loading him in the back of a car and taking him to go get skinned where I, I had the equipment to go get it taken care of. And uh, that was all my own personal stuff. But uh, he was a, a chunky, older uh, American guinea hog. Uh, tasted great, though. Great animal. Um, anyways, as you can see, that we've got that electric hoist. And I love that thing. So uh, I've got an electric hoist that will lift up to a ton. Listed uh, over there on Amazon as well. You can buy them down at Harbor Freight, any kind of... Uh, you know, Home Depot or whatnot, you can find electric hoist that will work. Just make sure that whatever you have it mounted to is going to be able to handle the weight. Uh, so that's just one example, though. Uh, for something like deer, goat, sheep, things like that, man, having a setup like this is going to make your life so much easier. And as you can see, the water on the ground and everything, it's easy to keep it clean as, as you're working. And I can just press that button and go up and down and adjust for my own height as I work. And as I break that animal down... Being able to raise and lower it is is just a huge benefit. So that's just one way that we can do this, and one thing, one way we can accomplish this. Uh, for the larger animals I was talking about, yes, the hook shop. They've got uh, they, see this heavy duty gambrel. These are weighted for or, or rated for being able to handle large animals, and that's all stainless steel, uh, which is why they're pricey. But uh, definitely worth checking out. Uh, you go to meathookus.com. And they've got some excellent stuff. In fact, if you're looking at setting up a walk-in cooler, which I highly recommend for anybody who's wanting to do more than maybe one animal or so every year. Yeah, they've got rail systems and trolley hooks and all that fun stuff too. So if uh, you really want to get things set up right, that's, that's a great resource. Uh, moving on from that, most folks are not going to be <laughs> setting up a major hoist or whatnot for cattle. Uh, you're going to have to have serious overhead height. You're going to need at least 12, 15 feet up to be able to do that. So what you probably do have on hand, though, is going to be a tractor or a skid loader or some heavy equipment with a loader bucket on the front. Uh, and one way I found that I actually prefer this when we're dealing with large animals is uh, taking a heavy-duty log chain. You see, I've got a towing chain here on the right side listed. And wrapping that up around the loader bucket and i've got some pictures kind of demonstrating how i've done this but basically i'm taking both ends and wrapping them if you're standing in front of say the bucket of a tractor wrapping the hook ends back around and and hooking them in securely and you're having the train the chain sort of drape across the front of that bucket you don't want a ton of slack you know but the idea being you want that chain secure and we're going to take hooks like you see on the left hand side these big heavy duty meat hooks which i've got some links of that as well uh put up and you're hooking them into this big ass log chain and the beauty of doing that is you've got several points of contact that hook is going into that chain and it's not going anywhere so you notice with those gambrels it's it's you know for those on the audio side, if you can't visualize it, it's basically a triangle where you're, it's connected, it's hanging from the top and the animal's legs go on the ends on hooks. Well, once you start breaking that animal down, 
and you take weight off of one side, what's it do? It does a, that teeter-totter action. So, yeah, that can be really kind of hairy when you're dealing with, you know, six, 700 pounds of beef just hanging there swinging. So you've got to take that into consideration. Well, you don't have that when you have it hanging from several hooks with that have their own individual point of contact in that chain. Now, things to be cautious of, make sure you're using one hell of a heavy-duty chain. You do not want to skimp on the chain. One, you want to make sure that the links of the chain itself are going to be big enough that you can get those whatever hooks you're using into it. You want to make sure that the hooks are going to be weight rated to be able to handle the weight you're putting on them. Be careful. I've got some listed on Amazon. They're weighted for 250 pounds per hook. You probably need to double hook each leg for a larger cattle. I've seen them bend straight. I've had them break. Having something hanging overhead, having, say, a 1,200-pound animal hanging over your head with sharp hooks in a chain and having something break and you're underneath of it, bad situation. If you've never had to do, like, some sort of, like, a crazy matrix tumble roll with a knife in your hand, you ain't lived. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, it will wake you the hell up. Also, be sure your chain is very, very secure. I've had a chain slip before. If you don't hook it to say something stupid like, you know, um, your hydraulic lines, make sure it's hooked somewhere that's not going to slip and that is secure on that loader bucket or the loader arms of that whatever heavy equipment that you're using. So this is a great way to do it, but you're dealing with heavy equipment and large loads. So be very, very cautious. And this is something that I really would recommend if you if you got somebody who's comfortable rigging heavy equipment, Get them there to help you and try to make sure that things are set up while you're doing this. You really are going to need somebody else to run this tractor probably while you're while you're setting everything up anyway. So and you shouldn't be working around heavy equipment and underneath of large swinging heavy weights without someone else on site. Ideally, I've done quite a few myself uh, with just a tractor, uh, but I've got years experience of experience in working with that. I ran a kill floor by myself, and even I have been in situations where I, like, I really wish somebody else was around here. Cause if this goes sideways, nobody's going to know for hours and I could be very dead underneath of something. So be very careful. The other caution I will throw out there is a lot of these big towing chains and log chains will be, uh, Oh, Hey, we got a little tip over there from Tom Tom. All right. Anyway. Um, one thing to keep in mind, when it comes to these uh, these chains is a lot of them will say not designed for overhead loads, not designed for, you know, hanging or whatnot. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I will tell you that a lot, I've used a lot of log chains that I'm sure in their original packaging were marked for that and been just fine. Um, a lot, I think the one I have listed up, it's weight rated to like 18,000 pounds or some shit like that. Um, you're not using, this is not, it's intended use. So use the biggest chain you can get, you know, I'm not, don't sue me. <laughs> I put that, I put that caution out there. You know, it's a dangerous operation. You're dealing with, uh, you're dealing with some big shit. So use every bit of caution that you can. And uh, I'm going to try to show some pictures here. All right. So this right here, not necessarily the one on the left, not necessarily the best rigging right here. This is actually the same tractor. This is two different pigs, same location, about a year apart. 
some uh, individuals that I helped out. You see the one on the left? This is one caution, too. Uh, that chain slipped a little bit. You can see it's not hanging exactly that straight, which makes it really tricky when you go to uh, to split the animal. That spine's not straight. So I kind of put myself in that situation. So when you're rigging it up and you're hanging those hooks in your chain, you want to make sure you got everything nice and tight. And when you're setting it up, you kind of count links from what's hanging off the edge of that bucket. But you can see how I've got that chain wrapped up around that bucket. And I've actually got that long chain wrapped up uh around those loader arms and set in a secure spot so but it gives me a lot of that flexibility so if i take that animal and i split it uh it's not going to do that teeter-totter action it's not going one side up one side down so there we go um but yeah you can see this is a really solid way to kind of rig that up got another here we go this one right here this was uh we had two tractors so i sort of used one as a skinning crater cradle a little bit while i i kind of got everything going but you can see here a little bit better how that chain is uh is it's one single chain looped up around that larger tractor and uh you know it's it's got those hooks right there as close to the edge of that bucket as possible because that's giving us uh, some of that height to sort of work with all right let me go ahead and skip past that uh, there's another picture. This was after I'd done a split on it. On the left side, you've got one hog. Uh, it's actually one of the ones that I showed in the, one of the previous slides. And uh, that's after I split it. We're going to talk about uh, whether or not that's necessary here in a little bit. Uh, and on the right side, that's one hanging from a gambrel. That's actually that uh, American guinea hog that I demonstrated in that one, that one photo. That's after I fully skinned it and split it. So now the advantages to splitting, I, I, I tend to split the hogs when I can most of the time. Uh, the main reason for that is if I want to get more of the retail style cuts out of it. Uh, my background is from working in a commercial plant where we were processing that animal into retail cuts that you would expect to get in the store. So this is how it would be done commercially. So to get those end results, I like to try to replicate that process as much as possible because it gives me as a butcher, the best chance of getting that cut looking the way I want it to be. Now, that said, it's your meat. You don't have to do it that way. Um, you can see in these pictures here where I've got the hawks, the lower legs, cut off of the animal. Uh, I didn't really talk about that too much, but you've got several different ways of hanging that animal. A lot of folks will basically uh, use a gamble that has like slip loops like their heavy-duty cable or whatnot, and they'll just loop it around the lower legs of that animal, and then they skin everything off. You'll see big furry legs sticking up at the top and whatnot, and they cut those off later. I don't prefer doing that myself. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. I just don't want to have anything hairy hanging up above my meat. I don't want to have anything dirty hanging up above that meat. I want to be able to wash everything down when I get that animal set, up, set you know, down and positioned before I rig all this up. Uh, that's another caution. You want to take that hose, that water hose, and wash everything anywhere. Think of being a surgeon. Anywhere you're going to break that hide, um, any of the, all of the feet, front, back, around, all around the hawks, all around the animal's uh, nether regions, anywhere like that that you're going to be working, anything dirty, the tail, rinse as much. There's going to be shit on that animal. There's going to be dirt. There's going to be, you know, whatever you get on your hands. Yeah, you're going to get it. You're going to get that on that meat. So keep your hands clean constantly. Keep that meat, that hide clean constantly. 
So as you're doing that, uh, you know, you're going to be able to wash down and stuff as you go. Um, if you're doing full USDA uh, inspected, you wouldn't actually be able to do any wash down once you've broken hide. That's uh, that's a whole nother ball game. It's neither here nor there and doesn't really apply to what we're doing at home. But I like to take the, the hawks off. What I'll do is when I have that animal laid down, I try to get it on its back positioned. Um, I should have demonstrated that here in some of these photos. I'll take uh, like RV style chalk blocks, get the animal laying on its back. Because when the animal's laying on its back, those joints relax. Uh, now, I will take a knife and cut into that joint. And basically, I'll break that hide, cut into that joint, break that hawk off. Being careful to go far enough up on the joint that you're not removing those hind tendons. Those tendons will hold the full weight of the animal, but you need to be able to access that and not, not separate it. Otherwise you're really in a bind. Now you got to find an interesting way to hang this animal uh, without, you know, a real place to put that hook. But as you can see in these photos where that hook is hanging, that area has been completely skinned and cleaned and I've cut a slit behind that tendon so now we don't have any hair or anything like that to have to cut off later. We don't have a dirty foot and whatnot hanging out over our meat. It just makes things a lot cleaner to be able to do that from the get-go. So circling back to the, the split versus not split, you do not have to split the animal. In fact, you can split it later if you want to. Uh, I'm going to show that here in some of these demonstrations later. I do that a lot of times with wild game, especially if the aim isn't getting... If you don't want bone-in pork chops, say, off of one of these pigs... There's no reason that you absolutely need to split that hog like I have. I've done that with a reciprocating saw. I'll get into that a little bit more in a later episode. Uh, just kind of demonstrating uh, this is what I typically do if I'm trying to get a retail cut out of these animals. So let's see. Let me click this here. So the, here's for an example. Like when you're working in a commercial plant, this was actually, I took these pictures. These were, this is my handiwork right here. On the left side, you see a whole bunch of hogs. That was all the hogs that I skinned and, uh, you know, I slaughtered and skinned in a day. So uh, that's that's what I was working for right there. Not all those were mine. I had some kids working on me. You can see the ones that have big chunks of fat on the back and whatnot. Those were some newer kids that hadn't uh, really learned how to skin that well yet. But I was training them up. And uh, as you can see, we would split them all like that because it was, uh, you know, that's a way to kind of keep everything ready to roll. And we would just be taking that half of that hog and working on that. If uh, if you've ever gone and bought a hog, like a whole side of a hog or whatnot from a, a butcher shop or whatnot, it probably came split. Um, on the right side, you can see there's still some hogs over there, but there's a whole bunch of beef. Those were quartered. Uh, we weren't one of the plants that had like the 13 foot high rails. We had seven foot rails, so we split and we quartered. Um, it gave us a lot more, uh, well, it takes more more room, more real estate, but you know, we didn't have to have giant, basically two-story coolers. Because beef, eh, a hanging beef is gonna be between 10 and 12 foot long. So, and that's also a lot of, uh, a lot of beef to, uh, a lot of meat to be uh, breaking down later on, so. Uh, that's just kind of giving you an example of why I tend to split, but it's not necessarily. Now, so these are ones I had uh, done or helped a customer with more recently, and uh, this is their own private cooler. And yeah, as you can see, we've got some quartered beef as well. Um, that was split and uh, and quartered and hung. So just another example of one way that we do that. 
So, for example, here's two other photos. This was a very large chest freezer. And as you can see on the left-hand side, there's one of those regulators laying there. And uh, those regulators, uh, well, actually, you can turn a chest freezer into a cooler. Now, you don't have the same airflow and everything that you would in, you know, a big hanging cooler. There's some ways to mitigate that. But uh, one of these big chest freezers is a great option for if you just need a way to chill some meat. And you can turn it back into a freezer later. But you can see on the left-hand side, we've got several pigs that were kind of stacked up there. And they weren't split. They were just left whole. And on the right-hand side, we've got a large one that was split. And we've got some uh, waxed cardboard boxes sitting in between there. Kind of keep everything laying, laying straight. Now, when you're laying them down like this, one of the challenges is that uh, that meat, so when you hang meat, when you hang it from a hook, it stretches out. And in, in doing so, in, in the hanging that way, it hangs straight. And the shoulders and everything else sort of line up in a way that you can cut it and break it down later into sections that we as, as butchers are going to expect. So when you go and get, you know, say a, a chuck steak or you get, you know, uh, a pork butt or a chuck roast, the way that that shoulder blade lie, lays, if it's all bunched up, it's not going to cut the same way. So you're not going to be able to get the same cuts that you expect if you don't break it, if, you know, if you don't have it hanging like that. So you can see in this situation, we have this, this animal sort of stretched out and sort of blocked up to replicate the way that that meat would hang you know, as close as we could while it was laying there. Uh, and that's because we wanted to get uh, some traditional style chuck roasts and things like that, or, or basically pork butt roasts out of those shoulder sections. Now, that's not necessarily necessary. If you don't care about getting those retail style cuts, if you don't necessarily care about the shape of those cuts, you know, who's going to know? If you're happy with it, you're happy with it. That's That's all that really matters. Uh, now those an animals that we have stacked up over here whole, we've kind of done the same sort of thing, done the best we can to get them stretched out. And uh, we piled those things up pretty high. It was more of an experiment to see how well it would work. I wouldn't recommend piling that much in there uh, for most folks because we want to, uh, well, we want to be able to control. Uh, we went good airflow around that meat as it cools down. Uh, we were working our way through here. We did one hog at a time. So the ones on the bottom had basically cooled before we got the ones on the top stacked in. And the, the idea here was to let the meat come out of rigor mortis and to chill for a couple of days before we came in and did, and did the main breakdown. Now, you don't necessarily have to do this this way. You can break that animal down hot and then chill those sections and then work through them and do your retail cuts later. You can, if you want to, even cut them and break them down hot and then bag them and get them cooled and allow that aging process to happen in the bag. And that's kind of becoming popular with a lot of mobile butchers. Uh, I know some folks that do that. You're not going to be able to get as pretty of cuts because that meat, cutting warm meat is different than cutting cold meat. There's nothing wrong with it. But one major caution is going to be that you've got to work quick. We have to remember we're working with meat that there's a danger zone. If that meat is not chilled fast enough, if it, you know, you, you can't take your time when you're 
killing an animal and then breaking it down and cutting it hot and then bagging it. You got to get your ass moving and get it done because every moment that that meat stays out of refrigeration and hasn't been chilled fully down, you're giving opportunities for bacteria to replicate. So if you can do it in a reasonable amount of time, great. But if you aren't competent, I don't recommend it for somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience cutting meat. If you just want to go in and debone everything because the plan is to grind it, that's great. Heck, you could throw it on ice, do it overnight, and then grind it. That's fine. Um, but I do recommend that you either split or do a hole like this, or you can take an animal and break it down into primal sections and lay it out on a rack in a cooler or lay it out in sections in a chest freezer like this with a regulator. And by the way, those regulators right there are linked over there on shop delivery meat dust solutions. Um, there's a whole, uh, a whole section for that. And we're going to talk more about those later on in another episode when we really get into cooling considerations. However, whatever you do, the idea is if you can get that meat chilled quickly, then you're able to take that meat out a section at a time as you learn, and you're probably going to want to watch YouTube videos or something I've put out or have a, but, uh, a butcher manual or something with you so you can learn to go through and understand what you're seeing and what you're working with. And you've got the time to play with it because you're not trying to work with the whole animal at, at a time. So while you're learning, I think that's really the best the best course, especially if you want to have a good technical understanding of getting those those proper cuts. You know, if you don't have a background in it and you don't really know what you're looking for, and you're trying to learn as you go, give yourself the give yourself that wiggle room by chilling this carcass. Now, as we talked about with the being stretched out and not bunched up or whatnot, as that meat cools, it's going to firm up. So it's going to be a whole lot harder to, you, you can't just take that shoulder if it's all misaligned and just pull it back into shape. So that's uh, uh, rambling too much on this slide, but here we go. Anyways, let's move on here. So these are some I didn't bother splitting. These were all wild game. Um, those four little hogs were were trapped and uh, all cleaned up pretty much similar to, uh, you know, a regular domestic hog, the ones on the right-hand side there. And uh, we just single leg hung them. And the reason I did that was uh, there was no re reason to split them. We weren't trying to do a bunch of retail cuts and everything out of them. I think they mostly got turned into sausage and roasts. So it didn't matter as much. And we were saving space. So those are just hanging from a single hook on those legs. But uh, they chilled for about two days and then got uh, cut up. On the left-hand side is a deer. And you can see I've actually got one of those gambrels. And it just I left it hanging from that gambrel hole and threw it in the chill. Now, that deer wasn't going to get cut to like bone-in chops and everything like that. It got broken down later on. Um, I could have easily broken that animal down or deboned it hanging as it was, but I wanted to give it the opportunity to get good airflow, and we wanted to actually age that meat. We aged it for about a week. Uh, you can do that with the right setup with deer. Uh, you don't want to go too long because, you know, it'll start to dry out on the outside, but we had the, the cooler for it, so I went ahead and did it. And it turned out really well. I've got some good pictures of the breakdown of that. I'll have to demonstrate with this as well later on. Let's see here. But here's an example of just breaking that animal down whole. Now, you're probably not going to look like this the first time. Uh, for those on the audio side, uh, I've got a full deer just hanging skeleton with no meat left on the bone. Uh, your only thing you're really missing is the shoulders because those are not actually connected uh, by anything but tendons and muscles. 
but uh, I split this thing down. I I literally cleaned the spine, the ribs, everything, and got everything off of this animal. Uh, you got all the smoked sausage off. If I remember correctly, this was a gold tail and uh, got about 65 pounds of bonus meat off of it, which for Southeast Texas is a, that's a big animal, that's a big buck. Uh, wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be much up north. They're a lot bigger bodied, but down here, uh, it's about 30, 40% higher yield than your average deer because I went through and picked the ribs and everything. Now, this is just an example though of this was an animal that 20 minutes before this picture was taken was a whole ungutted deer. I went ahead and just went to town on it and I was kind of showing off a little bit. I had uh, one of those guys show up that was like, I've been hunting my whole life and I can do a deer this fast and I just, I'm lazy and I don't feel like doing it right now, so I'll give you a chance, but I guarantee you I can do a deer better than it. I'm like, okay, that's fine. And I, you know, rather than argue with the guy, I just went to town with the knife. And uh, needless to say, I've done quite a few for him now. And he kind of, you know, ate some crow. Not trying to act like I'm the best in the world, but I felt like I needed to demonstrate my skill a little bit in that moment. So I took a picture of it and I like to kind of show that one off occasionally, but this is just an example of what you can do with a hanging animal. Um, in this case, we had the, the back straps and everything. We did all the regular cutlets and everything out of that. I think we did some marinade, but he does have the hind. And most of this animal got turned into smoked sausage. So what happened was it got broken down and put into a clean tub and then put back in the cooler to fully chill down for a day or two before I really went and finished out the rest of it. So it allows that meat to come out of rigor mortis um, and breaking it down like that gave it a chance to really kind of get a lot of that body heat out. Uh, one caution though, if you're doing that is you don't want to just pile that meat up. You want to make sure that it's got, you know, it can fully chill. You don't want to take just a pile of meat, throw it into an ice chest and, and, you know, close it up because that holds that meat in there. That holds that heat inside the, the center of the meat. So you want to allow it to, to fully chill, which is a, a big advantage of hanging meat like that, especially with good airflow. It allows that meat to fully chill down. So a lot of folks that uh, hunt up north or will process animals up north will do it specifically in cooler weather. They'll let it hang outside or hang in a barn overnight. In Southeast Texas, we don't have that option. Um, it's never really cool enough. So that's uh it really depends a little bit on region um let's see let me go ahead and skip forward out of here all right well i'm gonna exit out of that little presentation there and let me zip back to woo, look at that we're inception again dun 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 screen and a screen and a screen and a screen anyways that is uh just some examples of you know what you're looking at doing once you've got that animal kind of broken down there now i'm not able to really get into the full skinning and gutting and everything very well on this episode, but I wanted to kind of give you guys some ideas of what you're trying to look to achieve. Um, things that you need to think about now that you've got this animal down, what are we going to do? Um, if you've ever hunted, if you have ever, you know, processed an animal and skinned a deer, gutted a deer, the skill is going to translate over to doing hogs, doing goats, sheep, even cattle. It's just, there are some differences. If you haven't, I would say if you can find somebody in your area, that's a seasoned hunter and ask them if you can go along with them, 
ask them if you can come, if, if they can teach you how to break down that animal, because those are going to be great skills. Um, if you've got a, a mobile butcher in your area, say, Hey, uh, you want to come out and help me with this one animal? Or can I tag along one day and just kind of learn? Cause I want to do my own at home and I, I don't want to fuck it up. Most guys, if they're reasonable, are probably going to be like, yeah, come on out. So, and hopefully I'll be able to put on some, you know, good video hands-on education on that as well as, uh, you know, maybe some workshops and things. So that's, that's hopefully going to be coming down the pipe. Um, anyways, a few other tips. Uh, I don't have the links out for this, but uh, when you're initially doing your skinning, for one, you're going to want a good skinning knife. If you can't, especially if you're doing beef, you can get by with any good sharp knife. Even that knife that I recommended for the bleeding will do the job. Um, but there are some beef skinning knives that I will recommend. And uh, I will put those links up here probably in the next episode. I'm going to get into more of the, the actual butcher knives. Um, but when you're doing that initial breakdown of the hide, uh, utility knife, like the ones with the blades that slide in and out, you can get the carpet blades that have like the little hook on them. Just like the gut hooks you can buy. You can go and buy one of those hunting knives that has a little gut hook on the back. Don't bother. They, you, you'll never, they'll go dull and you'll never be able to sharpen the damn things. They're a pain in the ass. You can just buy a whole pack for not much of those little bitty carpet blades and you can do all your initial cuts on the hide to break that open. And uh, then you don't sever any hair so you don't have hair all over your meat. Uh, as long as you keep your hands clean constantly as you work and you cleaned everywhere you're going to cut, that's really going to put you 10 steps ahead towards keeping that meat clean as you go. You cannot be too clean as you do this because everything that you introduce at this portion is going to massively affect your meat, especially if you're letting it chill and age a little bit, especially with things like beef. When you maybe <clears throat> if it's a heavy beef, you may want to let it, uh, pardon me. <clears throat> you may want to let that meat, uh, age for several weeks. Well, a dirty carcass isn't going to be able to age near as long. You don't want that. You don't want to introduce any bacteria that you don't have to. So things to think about. Um, while I'm at it, let me go ahead and on my screen here, I'm going to share. Dun, 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 dun. Share screen, rape tabs. Let's see here. Where? There we go. Shopping. Dot Liberty Meat Dot Solutions. All right, here. If we go, I'm gonna scroll all the way up to the top here. There we are. Yeah. So let me check here. Make sure you can still see. You can see. Yep. There you go. All right. Here we are. We're at Shop Liberty Meat Dot Solutions. Right here, if you go check it out, you're going to be able to find all these things that I've been talking about. Like, see that gambrel right there I talked about? I like this picture better than uh, the one that I took in the pack shirt, package there at uh, that Harbor Freight. This one's on Amazon. You can just click on it. Click read more. Do-do-do. Let's do that. Come on. Why is it not working for me now? There we go. Just my internet being a little bit slow. All right. So we scroll on down. There's the Amazon link. Hey, look, and I've got my description here. I've also got uh, a recommendation here for that hook shop. So you can go and uh, find that there. I thought I had a link up. I probably need to update that. That should be able to take you to that hook shop. So let me uh, go.
go and take care of that here after a bit. But you can see all these these fun things right here. And you can search. You can search over here for all that fun stuff. I've got my stuff up at the top, too, with all these, you know, these fun different uh, ways to shop on Amazon. And let's see here. Let me go ahead and roll down. But you can see there's other products listed as well. If I go back to that main page, we've got that. I've got some of this, these chains listed. There's that electric hoist that I was talking about. I've got a chain hoist here. Now, this is one thing I didn't mention. I've got some of these, these hand meat hooks. Some people call them hay hooks. Um, these are pretty dang useful. Uh, almost every butcher shop is going to have these around. Uh, basically, for those on the audio side, it's a big, it's a hook. <laughs> it's a it's got like a t-handle these are plastic t-handles they're good because they're pretty non-slip but it's a sharp ass hook that allows you to basically get a hold of a piece of meat without getting your grimy hands all over it and getting you know slipping and falling all over the place and dropping your shit in the dirt but be very careful with these things you see that very very sharp little point on them yeah they'll stab the shit out of you never forget you're made of meat too uh, but these are relatively cheap. I forget. I think like the two pack of them is like 10 bucks on Amazon. They're not much. Uh, these are some of these stainless steel S hooks that I talked about. They, uh, I've also got a link to those uh, heavier duty ones over at the hook shop. And uh, they are definitely something worth getting. I highly recommend these for anybody that's trying to be hanging any kind of uh, carcasses at all. Uh, check those out. Uh, they're on sale right now for Prime Day. I think you get a four pack of these. Uh, that are weight, weight rated for 250 pounds a hook. Uh, I think it's 20 bucks for the four pack. So grab them now while you can. I think you save yourself five or six bucks for a pack of four uh, while it's on Prime Day. Um, I've also got some of these rifles listed. These ones we talked about in the last uh, episode, over in uh, episode 11. And I've got the updated uh, with impact guns as well with those, the actual affiliate links that are, are, are normal. And all the other stuff we've talked about in the past, like, hey, there's a little... Uh, the non-meat related, the little USB coffee grinder. Um, but yeah, and you can follow that. Here's that uh, temperature regulator and uh, the knife we talked about. And uh, check Keith Snow, his harvest eating book, his, his cookbook right there. So that's also referenced there as well. So any of those that you follow, those are going to, you know, be affiliate links that are going to kind of kick me a little bit. So I do appreciate that if you follow those links. And you can always find that stuff over there at shop.libertymeat.solutions. And then you scroll down to the bottom and you've got all the other affiliate stuff. Like, you know, like I mentioned, the Swale Workshops and the Self-Reliance Festival, Squatch Fest. Uh, but also on top of that, like I said, hey, you want to get a domain name, start up your own website. If you want to, uh, you know, host a website, it's got WordPress, all the stuff that I do use, uh, as well as if you can click, if you're just looking for some firearms, some ammunition or whatnot, you can go over there, click on that uh, banner for Impact Guns there and uh, takes you on over. And you can find, you can shop their site. And then while you're in there, anything that you end up uh, purchasing or whatnot, I get a little bit of kickback for it. It's not a ton, but it's something. It's not much, but it's honest work, right? All right, folks. Let's see here. Let me jump back to StreamYard. Take time with Liberty. <laughs> All right. So a little bit disjointed, a little bit of rambly, uh, but it's a hard topic to talk about without being able to demonstrate it and show it, you know, hands-on. But hopefully this gives you some ideas of things that you need to uh, think about and probably have on hand before you really want to do the deed. Uh, we're going to cover more of that coming up here in the next episode, which hopefully will not take me near as long to get out. So, 
yeah, let's uh, let's try to be a little bit more on this, guys. I really need to get this podcast down to an actual schedule. So, uh, you know, we'll see. But and I kind of threw that idea out a little bit on, I think, a previous episode or in the chat. Um, so what uh, what do you guys think about a schedule or as a podcast like this goes? What do you think is going to work out best uh, for y'all? I don't want broadcast at the same time that other, you know, people who in this, this circle are, are, you know, running their podcast as well. That just seems silly for me. I'm not going to try to step on everybody's toes. So I'm kind of thinking doing something like a Tuesday, Thursday, and then maybe Saturday morning uh, or Saturday around lunch seems to be a good fit. So like Tuesday, Thursday, around like maybe 10 a.m., probably going to be a good time because it falls after it's not getting in the way of the Lost Projects type stuff. Um, it's generally before the Survival Podcast. It's going to be before Scrambling University and all that fun stuff. If I go evening on Tuesday, we're getting into Fireside Freedom Territory. Uh, Wednesday's generally a pretty packed day. I squeeze this in here today, but as you can tell, I mean, shoot, this morning we got everybody's got their podcast today. And right after we get out of here, coming up in just under an hour, we're going to have the after party. So Wednesday is a pretty packed day. Try not to do that. Friday, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, that's scramblings kind of thing. So trying to think of a good time to work it in. So does that work out well for most people who be listening? Uh, like a mid-morning type thing on like Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then like, you know, late morning to lunch on Saturday. Seems to be uh, what might fit. But, you know, I'm open to suggestions. So give me some ideas. Give me some thoughts. Uh, the other thing is, uh, and this is just a random thought. I'm probably not going to change anything up. We've got Liberty Meet Solutions live. Liberty Meets Solutions podcast. And uh, that's what we've rolled with from the get-go. Uh, but we've also got Renegade Butcher, which I haven't mentioned at all today in this show. Well, I should. Uh, you need to go on over to RenegadeButcher.com and check it out. We're launching those uh, those spice blends once we get enough interest in that. And uh, we've got a ton of merchandise over there. It's another great way you can support me in the show. And uh, some of those merchandise, things, they might be going up in price. The uh, suppliers, the print houses did send me a message today and said a lot of stuff due to rising cost of everything. Maybe going up, shipping maybe going up a little bit. So try to get them in the next couple of weeks if you want to buy some cool merch, some of the food freedom stuff, some of the shirts like that you free or die. Uh, we've got coffee cups. We've got all kinds of stuff over there. So there's some cool shit. Check that out. Go to renegadebutcher.com or renegadebutcher.libertymeat.solutions. It just forwards you there anyway. So renegadebutcher.com is just easier to remember. The whole renegade butcher thing, uh, that that's that's stuck. That's that's catchy. I like it. It fits me. It fits everybody else. I think it's been the best branding I've done of anything. Uh, so what do you think? Do you, you like Liberty Meat Solutions as a podcast? Or should I just make it the Renegade Butcher podcast? What do you think? I'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, tell me in the comments. Shoot me a message. Find me over on Telegram. Find Liberty Meat Chat. And uh, come on over. Let me know. Let me know if you think I ought to change it to the Renegade Butcher podcast. Uh, I don't know. I've, I've, I've uh, put a lot into the, the whole Liberty Meat Solutions name, and I'm not, I'm not going to abandon that. Uh, Liberty Meat Solutions is the name of my consulting company, 
so it it fits well too but i don't know the renegade butcher podcast sounds cool so let me know what you think um come join us over there on telegram if you haven't we've got around 60 people or so in that chat uh, that's really kind of taken off it's been quiet lately because my lazy ass hasn't gotten in there and and really kind of drummed things up and kept it going so hopefully i'll be able to get back on the horse here and keep things going now that i'm over my whatever sickness dun, 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 that i was subjected to and uh yeah and i really need to get on a schedule so help me out folks give me some ideas and if you've got any questions let me know on top of that i've got a couple of folks that expressed interest before i talked to and uh i kind of fell out of communication so it hasn't happened but if you're interested in being on the podcast if you got something to contribute if you got some serious questions um if you're doing something interesting in raising your own meat your own uh you know, raising or slaughtering or processing your own meat. Let me know. Uh, if you've got something cool to, to contribute, then I'd love to have you on the show. So I need to uh, get some more interview shows lined up. Those are always fun. I think they go really well. They're some of my favorite shows. Uh, we just uh, last episode had uh, Chef Keith Snow, and that was an awesome episode. So go check that out, too, if you haven't had a chance. Um. But feel free to follow us. Uh, you can always find us on YouTube. You can go to live.libertymeat.solutions, and that's where you catch everything. You're going to be able to find all of the links to the ways to listen in and follow us. This is an episode that's going to be really good to watch on some sort of a video platform like YouTube or Odyssey. Uh, and you can uh, you know find those links over there as well. And uh, it will show all of the YouTube videos over on live.libertymeat.solutions. If you want to listen to the audio side while you're on the go, um, I highly recommend that you tune, uh, tune in to Fountain.fm. Uh, that is a great little podcast player. It's fairly new. There are still some bugs, folks. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's, it's new technology. But it's got a great user experience, if you ask me. Uh, I think that it, uh, it's got some really cool features, and it's the only one out there. Well, that's not the only one out there, but it is definitely the smoothest one out there that is part of the Podcast 2.0 universe that allows you to actually share value for value with the, your, the creators you listen to. If you want to send me a tip, you can go right over there and you can boost or whatever, or you can set it to stream or whatnot and give Satoshis, basically Bitcoin, actual Bitcoin, where you can transact with and tip and share directly built into the app. And if you listen to podcasts anyway, go check it out because for right now, I don't know if it'll continue forever, but for now, there are limits and shit. But you can actually gain a little bit of Bitcoin. You can get some Satoshis for listening to people you already listen to. You know, uh, it's, I forget what it's something silly. Like it's like a, a one a minute or something. It's not much. You're going to make like less than a dollar a day doing it, but it's free. And uh, that Bitcoin is going to be worth more later on. So there's no reason not to do it. Now, there is a, another Telegram chat. If you're interested in lightning, you know, Bitcoin lightning, things like that. Um, it's uh, lightning for liberty. You can find that on Telegram. I think it's t.me slash Lightning Liberty. And uh, there's been some chat over there because we talk a lot about Fountain since it's kind of one of the newer platforms that's really using Lightning. And uh, there's been some folks over there saying, eh, they don't really like it or it's buggy. There's some new stuff. Uh, they don't really. It's changed up on them. Maybe they've had some problems with some of the, the Satoshis and things like that. You know, they're not getting what they thought or there's there's some limits here. There's some. 
some actual like structural bugs to it that uh, it doesn't work the same way the pod the way that the podcast players that they listen to typically like podcast addict or something like that doesn't have the same features. Well, you can go in on fountain and there is a whole section there and their little support where you can suggest features. So if you try it, you don't like it, you go, man, I really wish they had this feature. Let them know, let them know. Even if you don't continue using it, let them know that that's why, you know, they're pretty damn responsive. I find uh, Oscar, uh, one of the main guys over there, he's been really cool with, uh, you know, anytime I've had a problem and I've had some problems with the app because it's new, it's new tech. They've gotten right back to me. And if they can't get it straightened out, they at the very least go, man, we appreciate you letting us know about the bug and we'll work on it. So, you know, I like what they're doing. I support what they got going on there. So if I know of a bug and there's something that's that's just like up bugging me, I'll let them know. So, you know, if if you don't like it, I'm not telling you don't complain about it. You know, use the use the apps that you are comfortable with. Listen to me anywhere you want to listen to me. I appreciate it. But give found a try. And if you feel like there's something lacking there, let them know. You know, I mean, by all means chime in on on any of the chat groups about it too but uh don't just complain to us let let them know because they can't fix it if they don't know it's a problem or you know if enough people request a certain feature like i agree autoplay you know that would be nice or if you've downloaded episodes having the option you could tick on of delete episode after you've listened to it that'd be nice yeah it's not a feature there yet we should let them know so that they can add those features in and, you know, give you the experience that you want. So, and I know a lot of folks have asked uh, too, they're like, can we get, can we listen to it like on the computer? Why do we have to only have a phone app? Well, I, I don't have an answer for that because it's not my app. I don't develop it, but I'm sure there's a reason that they haven't gone that way yet, but suggest it. Enough people ask, they're going to, uh, I'm sure they're going to add these features later on. So if you want when you've got a new developing app like that, if you want certain features and you tell the folks who are developing this app, they want people to use their app. So the best way to get those features in the future is going to be make your voice heard to them, to the people who actually, you know, are producing this. Uh, anyways, I only mentioned that because the last couple of days I've been seeing a lot of people that have been kind of bellyaching a little bit about Fountain. And I don't have a grudge at all. If it's not uh, working for you, then it's not working for you. But by all means, let them know. Let them know why. And if you hate it and just want to ditch Fountain, then great. Go ahead and do that. But, I mean, you can complain to me, but it don't do any good. <laughs> um, anyways, folks, I really do like that because it is a great way to uh, share value for value. However, if you do want to support this show uh, in other ways, other than the affiliate links we've talked about or whatnot, uh, if you look right over there, there's a tip with lightning. If you're on Telegram, you can tip me directly to the tip bot, but you can also scan that little QR code. And uh, if you've got something like Wallet of Satoshi or whatnot, you can send me a tip. There you go. And that's directly from you to me. Nobody else is the wiser. No tax, none of that other fun shit. It's just direct value for value. So I'm all for it. I'm all about it. Uh, if you just want to send me something on Cash App or whatnot, let me know. You know, you can find me at Renegade Butcher. It's easy. Uh, if you uh, want to send me a tip and you don't even want to fuck with Bitcoin, you can actually, if you got Cash App, you can just send me Bitcoin 
without even owning Bitcoin from Cash App to Renegade Butcher on Cash App. There you go. Uh, there's a million different ways to do that. But the coolest way that you could support the show and what I'm doing is going on over to RenegadeButcher.com and signing up for a membership. And uh, there's I'm doing a very limited number of those lifetime memberships over there. And that will gain you all kinds of benefits that will cost me money in the long run. So get on it while you can. We're going to cap that at a certain amount of people. And uh, there will never be any more of those, at least not uh, with all of those features and those benefits that they have. So definitely something worth checking out if you're at all interested in that. And if you like the podcast and if you don't like the podcast, well, you know what? Come find me and let me know why. Let me know what we can do better. Let me know what we can improve. And uh, that said, I am going to wrap this up so I've got time to get the audio side fully downloaded and ready to go and prep myself to be on the after party. If you have not watched that, check that out. Uh, it is the UTG after party. It's a spinoff after uh, the Unloose the Goose podcast that uh, was going for a while back there. It's uh, one of the podcasts that kind of brought me into this whole community of different podcasters. Uh, there was a lot of people that were involved in the survival podcast, liver free Tennessee community and all these other connected communities that, uh, it was sort of like this podcast super group, all these podcasters that got together and talked about these different Liberty and survival and preparedness and, you know, ways to make your life better type topics. And, uh, it was a real cool podcast. And one of the guys in there, John Bush, isn't too far from me. He's out in Texas. And I got wind that he was going to this crazy thing called float fest, and uh, that's how I ended up beating Brian Norton and meeting a lot of cool people and meeting some of the people who are listening to this show right now who are uh, in this audience and who are some of the members in uh, my my Telegram chat. So that kind of pulled me into this whole thing. And uh, I was never a part of the original Unloose to Goose podcast at all. I wasn't even really podcasting back then. Uh, I did try a little bit at one point and uh, didn't really stick. But that... Uh, I, I ended up getting sucked into the after party, which was basically after they finally decided to uh, wrap that podcast up. They may they may bring that back for the occasional episode, but they reached that point, that point of maturity where uh, there wasn't much left to talk about in that podcast. So, uh, but everybody liked hanging out so much. Some of the people said, "Let's let's hang out. We'll have an after party," and it's mostly just podcasters chilling, bullshitting. We don't have a script. We don't have anything. You know, if you just want to hear a bunch of corny people be mouthy and and not safe for work and just bullshit, eh, if you like listening to us that much, it's a fun podcast. And uh, yeah, I usually try to chime in when I can. Uh, it's uh, every Wednesday evening, uh, six p.m. Central. So I think so. The last episode actually broadcast to my youtube and in my social media as well um i'm not sure if we're still going to be doing that towards mine this week usually we'll rotate it out uh we'll see it might pop up on mine if not you can find it utg after party or you can find the previous episode uh that was it should be linked on my website you can always go down towards the bottom of live.libertymeet.solutions and uh, you can see as as seen on or as heard on and you can click on those that link and it'll show you uh, different podcasts that I've been on. It doesn't show all the after party because I've been in more than show up there, but you can click on that and follow and you can find the, the podcast if you're interested in listening. So um, I'm going to quit rambling here. I'm going to get this audio side up. I appreciate y'all tuning in. Any questions, any comments, thoughts, feedback, whatnot, 
find me on Telegram. That's going to be the easiest way to do it. Or shoot me an email. Uh, you can shoot me an email over at uh, josh at libertymeets.solutions. All right. Thanks, folks. Hang out there. Appreciate you all listening. And be free.